0: Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars Podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. And happy holiday weekend to all of those who are listening. And joining us for this edition, edition 100, by the way, is Andre Greenowalt. Andre heads up public policy at VIA, a company that has been a leader in on demand transit. Before that, from 2009 to 2014, he worked on regulatory and policy issues at the White House. And we have to add, he is a Princeton alum. Thanks for joining us, Andre.
1: Thank you so much for uh, having me. It's a real honor to be on for uh, episode uh, 100. Uh, It's great having
2: you. And um, I hope everybody had a great Seder last night. And um, let's move it along.
0: Well, first off, Let's give the listeners a little background about VIA and what you do, Andre.
1: Sure. Uh, so VIA, uh, we are um, uh, essentially re-engineering uh, public transit. And what we have is technology that's incredibly uh, sophisticated and good at managing uh, fleets of vehicles on an on-demand, uh, real-time, dynamically routed basis. And so uh, we launched um, Two years ago, in a pocket uh, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, with our own uh, rideshare service, but um, you know what I like to call real ride sharing, where the, the vehicles uh, include multiple uh, passengers, and uh, we, you know, sort of expanded our service in New York, launched uh, in other cities such as Chicago and Washington D.C. We do roughly um, 50,000 rides uh, a day uh, now in New York City, and are the leader uh, in pooled rides uh, in Manhattan where we started. Uh, we also um, have a, a similar service in London, uh, Amsterdam, and uh, Milton Keynes uh, in the UK. Uh, but the, the uh, other thing we've done, which I think is quite quite unique uh, in the industry and in the space, is we are taking that same technology and partnering with cities, uh, transit agencies, universities, uh, and uh, private operators of transportation. And we now, uh, with those partnerships, are in uh, more than 60 um, uh, places across the world. So I think we're in, uh, you know, more than 15 countries, uh, several different continents. And uh, and that's that's really exciting. And in those in those models, we are, um, you know, uh, providing, uh, you know, effectively an on-demand uh, shuttle or bus service uh, that is much more responsive to people's needs and much more convenient. And we think uh, sort of one of the uh, key, key ingredients to uh, getting people out of their privately driven vehicles and all of the uh, negative, uh, things that come with that on the, um, you know, uh, greenhouse gas front on the congestion front, uh, on the, uh, you know, expensive owning a car, all of that. So, uh, so it's, it's been a really, uh, um, uh, exciting, uh, last several months at VIA. We just have launched a number of new partnerships, including, uh, some this week, which I, which I know we might want to talk about, but, uh, Yeah, this that, has that been, this has been a really news filled week. It has. Yeah. So we, uh, so we launched, uh, we were really excited to launch, uh, in Seattle, uh, where we have, um, earlier this week, started a service that is uh, aimed at providing first-mile, last-mile service to uh, five different uh, transit stations uh, in the southern part of Seattle. And this is, a, um, uh, you know, I think... Uh, uh, a very cool partnership in which people who uh, use their uh, metro cards will be able to use the service and, and use it as a free transfer to the transit service. Seattle, as, as I'm sure you two know, um, is, uh, is is one of the rare cities in America now uh, where transit ridership is increasing. And so, uh, you know, that's exciting for us. This is a city where uh, that is already doing sort of remarkable things to get more people into transit. And then this is yet another way to uh, drive uh more riders uh, into the system. So we're really excited excited about that. It's also, um, you know, I think the main thing for folks uh, in Seattle is just, it's going to be a very convenient, uh, easy way uh, to move around, which is great. I think for us, um, um, you know, mobility nerds like myself, I think so, some of the things that are interesting about this too, are that it's a partnership with King County Metro, uh, Sound Transit, and the city of Seattle. And it actually has a grant from the federal government, the uh, Federal Transit Administration within uh, DOT had a uh, program called the uh, Mobility on Demand Sandbox, aimed at encouraging public-private partnerships. And this, uh, this project was a recipient of one of the competitive grant awards from that. So it's a really, uh, really interesting project that we are excited about and um, uh, that builds on uh, some momentum that we have with um, you know LA Metro and some other places where, where we are also doing the first mile, last mile stuff. And I'll just I'll very quickly mention two, two other announcements we had this week. Uh, one was we announced a joint venture in Japan. Uh, with uh, the Mori uh, real estate company, and Utochu, which is one of the big holding companies in Japan. Uh, and we see this um, as the beginning of um, a lot of opportunities to, to deploy a wide variety of services in Japan. To work. Um, so we're very uh, excited about that. Um, and we, um, I guess this might have been a couple weeks ago, we also launched a service uh, um, uh, sort of in, in an area right outside Jakarta that is a, quite large. So that's like an interesting one. And then finally, uh, we launched uh, in partnership with uh, one of the big bus companies and with the um, uh, support of the Israeli government, we, we launched a large on-demand uh, bus service in uh, Tel Aviv, which is uh, I think starting with 40 or 50 vehicles and, and quick, quickly ramping up to to 150 or so. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a big uh, been a big week uh, for Via, big year uh, and. Uh, yeah, we're excited for for what is also to come uh, in the rest of 2019.
0: So that's going to put you in about how many countries offering ride sharing transportation?
1: Oh, I'd have to I'd have to go back and look a at a lot. That, <laughs> but I think we we are in, yeah we're in more than 15 uh, countries at the moment. So we are really um, you know we have a, a significant global uh, global footprint, and it's and it's uh, it's really exciting to you know I think if we look back. Um, a year or two ago, uh, you know, cities put out these out, uh, you know, what are called RFPs requests for proposals where they solicit, uh, you know, ideas and applications to provide uh, various types of services. And, you know, I don't know, a year or two ago, we were seeing, I don't know, maybe one of those like every, you know, few weeks. Uh, and now we see uh, multiple ones, you know, every week or every couple of weeks and it's across the, across the globe. So it's just really interesting to see what's happening and, in Asia, we have a number of deployments in Australia and New Zealand, um, a number of deployments in Europe. We've launched in Brazil, uh, and it's interesting to see sort of how those countries are, are doing this and, and, and thinking about how it compares to, to what we're doing in the in the U.S. as well. Um, some of our largest deployments are, um, are, are overseas. So, yeah, it's exciting, exciting time um, all across the board.
2: Uh, yes it is uh, certainly very interesting uh, what you're doing you're you're certainly the leader out there with respect to uh, addressing this uh, from a ride sharing perspective um, uh, as we know the answer is ride sharing if we don't ride share uh, we don't have the opportunity to address congestion, uh, pollution, energy, but um, that ride sharing is really the answer. And that's been your focus and the focus from the beginning. And it's uh, it's very, very nice to see, and certainly the, the work that uh, we've done here in Princeton and so on, and looking at the opportunities for ride sharing um, throughout the country, um, uh, We've sort of looked at it. Uh, we've sort of assumed that there was an autonomous taxi providing the service simply because um, you know one, uh, that's the way to get the cost down, uh, so that one isn't uh, dependent on um, the Federal Transit Administration. My goodness, uh, uh, but uh, that's an, that's another topic. Uh, but it, what's really nice is that uh, is that you're really out there uh, providing the, the precursors. Uh, for really extensive ride sharing and showing that it can be done and showing how it can be done on an on demand basis as opposed to via schedules down some route in which it has a handful of stops and transfers and everything else. So um, it's really great to see what you're doing. Um, of course, I'd like to see you do even more here. In the U.S., uh, hopefully you're not spreading yourself out too thin in all those other countries because they have all their localization issues. But uh, but if uh, if the platform is is really solid and it can handle all those uh, different uh, variations, uh, then um, you know these things are, are largely platform driven, and uh, and the platform makes the difference. Uh, you still have to get the drivers that execute that might be a whole heck of at least uh, at least academically we think it might be a whole heck of a lot easier to implement algorithmically uh, to just tell a computer what to do uh, managing of the uh, the people is non-trivial I'm sure
1: yeah I know you uh, there were a number of uh, uh, really great points you just you just raised there which I'd love to just quickly build on I think you know absolutely uh, you know we see uh, this technology ultimately applying to, to fleets of autonomous vehicles and and uh, you know of course uh, what when those do come it is uh, going to be critical um, for our cities that, that they'd be deployed on a shared basis if we don't want them to have you know very significant negative effects on congestion and uh, the environment and, and, and otherwise uh, but yeah what's exciting about what we're doing now is that you know we don't have to wait for that like we can do it uh, right now which is absolutely what we are, I mean that's really what, what we're working important. on that's yeah really yeah. yeah and point and uh, and I think I, I haven't touched on this yet. I think one thing that uh, you know sort of remarkable uh, about um, uh, you know what our team is doing on the partnerships front is is just the wide variety in context and structures of how these partnerships work, right? So, and some deployments we we just license our technology to a transit agency or other operator. So if uh, someone has a um you know their own drivers and their own vehicles and they just want the technology great we'll just license our technology to you you can use that we'll help you you know get up and running and make sure sure, it's going can. smoothly but you're in, yeah but we can also on the other end we can um you know there's lots of places we're working where they they don't have that those types of assets and we can come in and provide a you know what they call a for, full turnkey solution so in Arlington, Texas, which. Uh, you know, for decades was the biggest city in the United States with no public transit. Uh, they then had one bus line, which they were getting rid of. Uh, we came in and now there's a, um, yeah, a fleet of Mercedes Benz minivans that roam around Arlington, Texas, that are literally the only public transit uh, in that city. Uh, and we obviously, you know, the whole thing is structured uh, um, uh, and the plans are put together with the city and there are wheelchair accessible vehicles. There are um, solutions for the unbanked, which is really important. There are there is a call dispatch center for people who don't have iPhones. They will say those elements, the live translation services, all of those elements are, are sort of core parts of these partnerships we do uh, when we offer it as public transit, because it's critical that it be, you know, accessible to everyone, as you all know so well. So um so that's um you know I think that's really saying we're you know and we're seeing it we're doing it in the biggest cities in the world. We're doing it in medium sized cities. We're doing it in small cities. We're doing it in, you know, in uh, in uh, sort of rural slash suburban areas, um, which have actually been some of our most successful deployments, so it's um, just the variety of, of how we how we do this is, is I think really exciting. And, and just to touch on one point for anybody from the U.S. listening, we are definitely uh, <laughs> we are definitely not stretching ourselves too thin, and we would be more than happy to uh, more than happy to come in and offer our services to any any U.S. Uh, municipality.
2: Yeah, I, I, and I think that's what's really great about about what you're doing, and our look at the, uh, across the United States, um, actually, in, you know, basically looking at what we think are are um, uh, each of the individual uh, billion-plus trips that take place across the United States on a typical day. Um, one does see that, in fact, there are opportunities for ride sharing, e- even in in the smaller communities, and that's what's nice about what you put together. Yes, most of the time um, or some of the time, uh, people, uh, there's only one person that wants to go from A to B at, at about the same time. Uh, but it's it's rather surprising to see, or maybe not surprising, that in fact there are opportunities, if only the information system would make it available, that in fact um, there are, those opportunities exist. And then what you need to do is, what you're doing is provide uh, the mechanism to make it a, a Um, uh, uh, make it known and provide the service and in the end even though people say oh no i won't ride with anybody i want to be in there by myself in fact um as i like to say just like uh, in riding in elevators uh, my goodness uh, we could take the steps but we say oh my goodness maybe i'll just ride with you and uh because it's so convenient and it's so affordable and um and uh, and it's why not and in fact, it's environmentally uh, responsible and energy efficient and everything else and all the other great societal objectives that we have. So it, it's, it's, it's great that you're, do, you're, you're, do, you're doing this and you're demonstrating it. And uh, maybe we can take it in spades with driverless.
0: Yeah. Are you talking to any partners or, or, or communities yet about moving into the uh, autonomous space?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I think just on, on your, uh, just a uh, step back to your initial point about sharing, you know, I think we, what we view is what we're doing is, is, right. I think you referenced this in your intro on demand uh, transit, right. And of course, like we all, like when we take the subway or we take the bus, like obviously we're, those are shared modes. And so uh, we really see this as, as a sort of more convenient, uh, you know, bus system that actually takes you like where you need to go. Right. It doesn't depend on how lucky you are to, you know, if you're lucky enough to live a a block away from a bus stop, it happens to take you to the place you need to go, right? In our system, uh, within a zone of service, everybody lives within a half a block or a block of a bus stop, and it can take you to anywhere else in the zone. So really sort of is meeting people's needs in a way that, um, you know, we think fixed route, um, fixed schedule services don't always do. Uh, On the question about autonomous, we absolutely um, are are talking to communities and other partners of that. We have, um, there's a couple of uh, different pieces there. We have a um, we have a pilot deployment that we are doing in a place called Coffs Harbor in uh, Australia, which is outside of Sydney, in partnership with uh, Easy Mile, which is uh, an autonomous uh, vehicle company. We also um, uh, have a joint venture with uh, Mercedes Benz uh, Daimler um, that is quite significant, that um, uh, is, is based uh, largely around uh, sort of launching uh, a bunch of markets in Europe. But another one of the ingredients of our joint venture with them is that we have teams working together on sort of looking at what the you know optimal ride-sharing vehicle uh, of the future looks like exactly and so there's a lot of work uh, being done there so so we um, uh, we absolutely are uh, talking to a variety of partners and exploring uh, various partnerships on that front and I think you know um, you know I think a number of the um, you know uh you know mayors and transit agency officials and others that we are partnering with uh, private operators they see you know they they definitely view this as like sort of uh something that can you know dramatically improve economic mobility and reduce greenhouse gas emissions and help reduce congestion today but also as something that uh is sort of a preview of what it might look like uh, as public transit uh with autonomous vehicles in the future so i think both things are happening and, and it's definitely um You know, I think uh, one of the other things that's exciting about what we're doing.
0: And something that Alan uh, talks about uh, extensively and is going to be brought up uh, extensively again at the Smart Driving Car Summit in, in just a few weeks is providing transportation to the mobility disadvantaged. And you can play a big role there, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. And I, I wanted to pick yeah. up on, on one of the points that Andre said there has having to do with uh, the designing of sort of both the optimal vehicle and the optimal um, uh, service uh, envelope, especially if in dealing with the uh, mobility disadvantaged. And and that's one of the things that uh, that's a central, it really is a central focus of the third summit at Princeton coming up in, in four weeks is that the, uh, is that we're we're really looking at um, at these vehicles as to um, uh, how um, how they're viewed uh, from that public? Um, uh, I sort of have, uh, have the perspective that, in fact, you know, a bunch of us who probably have more 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 mobility than we than we can shake a stick at have been designing these mm-hmm. things. Yet the people that were that could benefit the most and have their highest um, uh, quality of life improvement from these things. Um, are they really being talked to? Well, you know, maybe the, the, the those with uh, wheelchairs uh, do, but there's a, there are a lot of other uh, uh, folks in the mobility disadvantaged. And um, one of the groups that we'll be really focused on in providing demonstrations and actually doing some, some uh, interviewing and trying to understand what they're – uh, initial reactions to these kinds of vehicles uh, uh, the summit that we're going to be doing with is with the um, autism community and, and and their mobility needs and of course also we intend to uh, address directly the economically disadvantaged um, uh, where really uh, it's a service offering and 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 what we've been talking about the on-demand um, uh, service offerings that could uh, uh, allow people who, who live in low-income areas, uh, and uh, the transit systems just don't take them to the blue-collar jobs that could really feed their families. I know that exists um, throughout uh, Mercer County, where, where Princeton sits, and it's um, and when one looks at it, it's uh, it's really. Um, uh, a shame uh, that um, that our systems, uh, sure they'll take the bankers to New York, uh, but they can't take somebody from Ewing to a uh, to a fifteen dollar an hour job at the Amazon sorting facility in Robbinsville. So um, you know, um, focusing on those and having the opportunity to provide this demand responsive um, origin to destination, what the person needs to be able to really improve his or her quality of life um, is really uh, where I see the value of these systems and, and B is beginning, beginning to do it uh, with human drivers and we can even um, make it better, I think, and make it uh, more affordable if we can uh, only get this driverless technology to work well enough so that it can safely run down our streets.
1: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm so glad you you raise those issues, and that, that the two of you are, are focused on that in general, and at the uh, at the summit that's coming up, it's just uh, so critical. And I, you know, I don't, just, we obviously are, are not, uh, in my mind, doing a sufficient job of uh, providing, um, you know, transportation and making it accessible to folks, you know, in our in our country today. And so there's there's so much work to be done and so much um, room for improvement. I think, you know, I mentioned this earlier. I think when we do these public transit deployments, right, we do have uh, we work with the cities on solutions for the unbanked and on, uh, you know, call dispatch centers for people who don't have uh, iPhones and, and we have wheelchair accessible vehicles incorporated into the fleet, and that's, uh, you know, I think really, um, you know, we think a really important part of those of those services, and and there's just huge opportunity, uh, with this technology to to improve accessibility, um, and it's, there's sort of it's interesting. I've been thinking about this. There's there's kind of two different ways, uh, two different models we have. We have, uh, we've done some projects where we are basically updating a uh, you know, pre-existing dial-a-ride service or are going to power a paratransit service. We just won an award from the, um, the governor uh, and state of Michigan had a, a mobility challenge uh, and we won one of the awards in that mobility challenge to uh, power a, a paratransit service in Grand Rapids, Michigan, right? So we can do that, but, but then also we can just within the uh, sort of on-demand shuttle system uh, that we have in Arlington and West Sacramento and places like that, we can just incorporate Wheelchair accessible vehicles uh, into the fleet, um, and when we do those rides, we do them, um, you know, door to door. Typically, we ask uh, people to to walk to corners to to um, you know help optimize the routing and all of that. But uh, for folks who who have um, uh, mobility issues, we we will do door to door. I think one one sort of thing that I've learned after you know after being a dia for a bit is, is we um, we actually quite popular with the elderly, which is interesting. We and um, in West Sacramento where we have a uh, uh, one of our deployments, um, the city just put out a report uh, a few weeks ago where they kind of looked at what was going on with the service and evaluated it. And they found that it was popular across the income spectrum, across the age spectrum, but that the two most popular groups uh, were the elderly uh, and uh, young people who didn't have their licenses yet, right? And when you think about that, that makes some sense, right? Because they don't, um, you know, many of those folks like don't don't have another real option, right? Because they can't, uh, drive their own car, and uh, and so that's been you know it's, it's been great to see sort of the um, folks in that uh, elderly community use the service. There's one I think literally my favorite quotes uh, <laughs> that has to do with the uh, it's from an 80 year old woman named Gail Hoffman in West Sacramento who referred to uh, our service there with the city as the best thing since sliced bacon uh, just because <laughs> it was providing this you know like wonderful new, like lifeline, new mobility option for her. And so, and I love, you know, I love sliced bacon. So that was a, <laughs> that was a particularly powerful uh, uh, quote for me. Um, but yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll just stop right there. I've been going on, but I think I do think those are just very uh, critical elements and there's just so much promise, um, you know, with this, with this uh, technology and services that we and other companies are able to provide that, that, uh, you know, if we, if we can just harness it the right way Um yeah well yeah, it, could, it could dramatically improve mobility across a, a number of fronts
2: we're we're perfectly aligned on that uh you know, when when we talk around here about mo, uh the mobility disadvantage the mobility disadvantages include the young uh the bar mitzvah to seventeen year olds uh right. the, until you can get a license uh the old which is me who i really don't want to drive anymore um uh the um the special and the special have uh, all ranges of special and and then of course the poor uh because uh because my goodness it's so bad here in new jersey we we have uh, we we have this, uh Something called uh, the um, Mount Lucas um, uh, regulation, which requires communities to provide low-income housing. And what do we do? I sat on the Princeton Planning Board for seven and a half years. Where did we locate our low-income housing? Well, on cheap land. Where's the cheap land? in Jablip. not near anything. And so, of course, you can you know you can have low-income housing out there, but you need a car to go get a a, a quart of milk. And so you have a, a high, uh, high transportation cost, and, and we provided nothing, essentially nothing for mobility. The New Jersey Transit 606 bus goes out there. I, I don't know once every three days or something. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, we'll flip in here a bit, but it's 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 terrible, and not not with you know the services that, that that you offer, and and of course if we can then I think do it in spades, but at least we can get the beginning and do it. With the way you're doing it, and and provide mobility to these folks, that so, uh, when in fact they need a quart of milk, they can easily go get a quart of milk without the, without having to go through the the ownership cost of a car. I mean, you know, a car costs ten thousand bucks a year to to have hanging around on your hip. Um, unless you have broken taillights. And and if you have broken taillights, it's going to cost you $10,000 a year in the traffic fines. You're going to get by the Princeton police and you're going to pull you over every five minutes for a broken taillight. So when you really look at some of these things, it's it's really depressing uh, what we've created. And we now have with these uh, technologies and you guys are leading the way uh, to uh, begin to actually do something about uh, New Jersey Transit, go ahead, uh, take the bankers to New York. Uh, uh, we need that. But, but for the rest of the folks, uh, we need some of these other things.
0: I was going to ask you how you address some of the skeptics or, or naysayers that we encounter from time to time on, on the podcast who say that it, a lot of people wouldn't be willing to get in a car with strangers or, or a vehicle with strangers that ride sharing uh, on a large scale uh, is, is a really tough nut to crack.
1: Yeah, so I will uh, I, I will touch on both of those uh, commenting questions. I think on the uh, on the first point around uh, economic mobility, I, I could not agree more. Like we have a, a massive economic mobility problem in this uh, in this country, and obviously it goes beyond transportation to education, housing, other policies, but transportation is a major part of it. And I think public transit is just, you know, from being candid, just not, you know, overall across the country, just not getting the job done, right? It is not delivering on um, its promise of, uh, uh, you know, economic mobility. And there's a, there's a brookings, I mean, you're not even doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's hey, a brookings.
2: It serves, it serves 4% of the trips nationwide. Half yeah. of those are in New York City. I mean, oh my- yeah. yeah as you pointed out in Texas, I mean, you don't have a car. You might as well, (laughs) I don't know, Never mind.
1: (laughs) No, there's a, um, there's a, it's a few years old, but there's a Brookings, um, I think Brookings highlighted, which I thought was, which is quite, um, you know, quite sad and quite compelling that, that um, uh, roughly 25% of low and middle skilled jobs in metropolitan areas are accessible by public transit within 90 minutes. I mean, that is like a pretty stunning stat. And that's just talking about metropolitan areas, right? Not to mention what you just alluded to, which is all of the non-metropolitan areas in the country. I mean, so it, yeah, yeah. And, so, and
2: if it, somebody had a car, they'd be accessible in 12. I mean, it's,
1: it's, yeah. it's gone yeah. off. Yeah. So what we're, yeah, and so I think uh, that's a huge problem. I think we have to you know dramatically improve public transportation, like where we, I mean, obviously we see ourselves fitting into this and we, you know, we think that we provide an option that is, but basically it, providing it, the convenience more, of a car but my public yeah. transit the, the,
2: you because public yeah. serve anybody transit you move people take those two words look up the webster dictionary definitions now you know unfortunately those that have had that 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 nomenclature associated with them have done such a bad job that it has a bad name but my goodness
1: uh Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're. I think we're on that. We're, we're both expressing some exasperation here. I think uh, anyway. But that's. I think. I think. Um, you know, if we can provide people with an option that is actually affordable and actually convenient and actually a real alternative to owning a car, uh, you know, that's how I think we're going to uh, sort of uh, improve uh, public transit, improve public transportation, and at the same time uh, diminish the number of people that are driving. Their cars by themselves. You know, I think something like 90% of people in America commute by car, or 85% and 90% of those are driving alone, uh, and you know, and help our environment. So, so that's that's on the you know, I think we um, uh, you know the economic mobility point is just it's just a critical one. And then I think to the second question about you know the skepticism around sharing or how do we make it more attractive, you know, I think we we have found that if you can make it uh, convenient affordable efficient that people are are more than happy to share the vehicles right i think if we if you uh you'd ask some of these skeptics about our launch in, you know new york city on the upper east side that doesn't jump out to people as an area where people were going to be jumping to you know to share vehicles we faced that, uh, you know actually a, a little bit of a similar uh, dynamic in um in some places in europe like in london for example I they, think loved there some there, they? they loved you yeah yeah i, yeah, I love that so like yeah so we do you know so we you know, we've been able to grow like a, a dramatic amount in New York. We launched in uh, uh, London, right. Another city where, where there was some, perhaps some skepticism and, and ex- drew extremely quickly there faster than any other city in which we've, in which we've launched and, and continue to grow. And, you know, these, um, you know, these, these partnerships that we're doing have um, uh, are just very popular Like in, in Berlin. Uh, um uh, we have, I think, what's now the largest uh, micro transit deployment, you know, as public transit in the world. It's a partnership with the uh, BVG, which is a public transit agency. That's a, you know, a city with very good uh, public transit, and you know, we've done hundreds of thousands of rides in the, in, uh, in the first few months. And I, I will just know we haven't. We, this is a whole separate topic, but the, in that deployment, it's sort of interesting because of the significant majority of the vehicles are electric. So, uh, and that raises its own whole set of like interesting uh, issues um, and something we're excited about. But um, yeah, I think as long as, I think the key is, right, like if you have a sharing service where the technology isn't very good and it's inconvenient and there are horrible detours and you are, you know, waiting for people, then yeah, it's not going to be very popular because that's not a good experience. But if you make it convenient and efficient and affordable, people are more than happy to to share and they've, You know, and especially when they see it as as just a much more efficient, convenient option than, you know, than the bus or some other public transit option that that also involves sharing.
0: That's really, really good news. Well, we do have some other headlines uh, to touch on this week, and we'll try to get through them pretty quick, I guess. But interesting stories nonetheless. Uh, Uber has announced a a billion-dollar investment in its self-driving vehicle group ahead of its upcoming IPO, a third of that from SoftBank's uh, Vision Fund, the other two-thirds from denso and toyota alan
2: well yeah, I, I guess i you know i'm wondering if it's a shell game I, I, you, uh this is a a, a new entity uh, who owns it whatever did they redo their s1s um um if i look at their s1 uber's been um very successful at selling assets what did they what did they just do did it sell another asset i don't know there's some details here um uh who show game.
0: Interesting. At Tesla, they are holding an investor autonomy day on Monday. Elon Musk is continuing to say his technology for self-driving while still under development is in his words, vastly ahead of everyone. He's saying, uh, because of that, Tesla vehicles will appreciate in value. And Alan, he even used sort of, uh, sort of anyway, your elevator analogy as uh, saying, nobody wants an elevator operator.
2: Well, uh, I I sort of agree with him. I think I think the Tesla uh, Autopilot is really a good system. Uh I've put myself out there and said uh, that if Tesla shares their data, I am willing to do an independent uh, evaluation and review as to whether or not they are safer and um, if they really are, then they should love for me to do that. Uh, And and I would love to do it and help them uh, actually uh, demonstrate to the public that, in fact, uh, autopilot is a very good system. Uh, From my experiences, I think it is. But, uh, hey, we should look at the data. And they have it. They have all of it. They can prove it. Uh, But they should have somebody else prove it because – uh, Elon, um, not everybody believes you, so therefore, um, uh, you probably need some help, but anyway.
0: Well, this, uh, this invitation to investors for Autonomy Day is, is designed, I suppose, to win their confidence.
2: Well, it, hey, with Autonomy Day, if he shows a video of a Tesla going down a public road with nobody in no adult supervision over his system, then then uh, then i think the washington regulators uh, whatever i think should come down so heavy on him uh, because it's that's totally irresponsible um, look autopilot is a self-driving not driverless system that means it requires and it needs adult supervision and uh, nobody should have in their mind that oh maybe i can send this over to Shopron to pick up my groceries and bring them home and and let this thing go out on the streets by itself i mean if they dare do that they're going to ruin it for everybody uh, and and just putting that that fantasy in anybody's head is going to then have some crazy out there go that go in, and and try that and and if if uh, we have a result as to as similar to what uber did in, in arizona uh, with their irresponsibility then all of a sudden it's going to ruin it for everybody and as i write in smart driving cars and i think tesla should be liable for all of the the uh, losses associated with such irresponsible act, and that includes all the losses in valuation of all the companies in the smart driving industries uh, whose who's, uh, assets and, and, and valuations will just dive, and Tesla should be responsible for that, uh, which would mean the end of Tesla.
0: That said, uh, Elon, uh, Alan would like an invitation to Autonomy Day. <laughs>
2: Uh, he's not going to invite me. But I, I'm not <laughs> going to go there.
0: California has announced it will allow the testing of light-duty self-driving trucks on public roads. Another move forward here, I suppose. I think it is. I think you
2: know, as, as we've had in our discussions and with, uh, with Bernard Soriano there at DMV, I, the MV, California has done a wonderful job at, in, in terms of of rolling out this technology and uh, now rolling it out uh, for the movement of goods. And, uh, in a sense, starting responsibly, again, with light-duty trucks uh, before we allow, you know, 18-wheelers, whatever, to come down uh, Cleveland Lane and run over my children. Uh, But whatever. Um, uh, I think it's really good, and I think uh, with that, um, I guess Amazon might come out of the woodwork or who knows what and realize that, in fact, um, the, the streets uh, are available between 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. with nobody on them, with no children chasing balls, and they could actually deliver all the things to my house that I ordered the day before and uh, drop them off in my Amazon box. I'd love it.
0: Audi's self-driving unit has picked a company named AVA, A-E-V-A, as a supplier of LiDAR. It's supposed to be a, a rather unique kind of LiDAR.
2: Yes, I think all the everybody doing in lidar, at least a lot of people looking at lidar, are lo- trying to look at the Doppler shift associated with um, with the uh, uh, the lasers and trying to get out of the Doppler shift uh, a velocity uh, at a particular point. But what one wants is a, a pixel array that has RGB D distance which is what lidar provides and v uh, velocity and, and while we're at it at it let's also have acceleration and then we'll really be able to know what's what's ahead of us and behind us and uh, and it will make the um, the uh, automated driving systems all that much better
0: and we're still talking about apple they're reportedly in talks with uh, potential suppliers of sensors for self-driving cars
2: uh yes uh they're out there looking at lidars uh I'm, as i said i'm wondering if they invited waymo to to come because since waymo is not producing a new lidar um uh yes and uh of course they're trying to develop their own so i don't know maybe they're talking to anthony Lewandowski
0: also and finally uh the the biggest grocery chain in the u.s kroger has announced it has begun using self-driving delivery vehicles in the Houston area. This is a a partnership with Nuro and it involves deliveries from just one store initially with a a second, maybe coming on board soon.
2: Again, we're at the very early stage of these things. Uh, A lot of experiments out there um, uh, and um, great. Let's have a few more and let's just make sure that they're all responsible. We can't afford another uh, another Herzberg incident uh, you know it, we really have to be careful
0: well on that note it's uh, we want to give you a reminder that the smart driving car summit is coming up next month may 14th uh, that evening through the 16th at princeton university and alan it's going to be pretty exciting
2: uh, yes, I think we already talked about it a little bit. I think a, a major focus this year is really on, uh, on uh, getting these systems to really uh, provide mobility um, uh, to the mobility disadvantaged. It, it's, it's sort of an obvious statement. Uh, if one looks at, uh, at, uh, at an investment, I think one should target it to, um, to the, in some sense, lowest hanging fruit and biggest bang for the buck. And if you look at, looks at the biggest bang for the buck, um, uh, the quality of life of a number of individuals could be vastly improved with these systems because of the opportunity to provide on-demand mobility uh, from where they are to where they want to go, which our current transit systems simply do not do. And this would, this is, these are life-changing for these folks. We've built all these streets out there that that go from where people are to where people want to go. The only problem to this point is that we've had to own our own car and drive it ourselves and, and, and provide free labor in the execution of that, our own labor, to do that. Uh, and pick up all the costs of associated of using a vehicle, you know, 4% of the time for three or four trips a day that could actually be a mobility machine to provide 50 or more trips a day and and be a much more productive uh, asset. And so we now have the opportunity to to create uh, mobility machines that would use the infrastructure that we've spent so much money on and provide mobility to this group. That's the group that this technology, I think, should be focused on, not, not to the rest of us that have already too much mobility, uh, can readily afford a chauffeur if we really need a chauffeur. And in fact, we'll probably turn our nose up at it if it doesn't have who knows what and who knows what. And so therefore, really, I think it behooves this industry to really focus on that. And that's why it's been so nice to have Andre on board with us today. To really talk about the precursors of this industry, and and to start doing it now with human drivers and and uh, to go to scale with it with technology.
0: Yeah, Andre, uh, really great having you with us. Uh, appreciate it, and congratulations on on all that you're doing at Via.
1: No, thank you so much. I um, I uh, hope you guys will have me back someday. We can talk about the uh, perhaps the role of public policy to play uh, in all this with congestion pricing and other other things which we didn't get into, but um, it was fantastic to be on and uh, best of luck to both of you on the next 100 episodes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. we going to survive that long, Fred? Whatever. We'll we'll keep our fingers (laughs) crossed. Great great having you.
0: Well, you can find more information on the Summit and find us at uh, smartdrivingcar.com. You can find us at Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Ask your smart speaker to play us too, and you can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for taking the time to listen.